What is going on? Welcome to the show. Happy Friday. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, and 1-800-WBT-1110. Happy birthday to Charlotte. According to the UNC Charlotte Special Collections uh, and uh, University Archives, on their Twitter feed today, they posted... On December 3rd, 1768, Colonial Governor William Tryon signed into law an act for establishing a town in Mecklenburg County, which designated 360 acres of land for the new town, and that it shall be called by the name of Charlotte. Happy 253th birthday. That's what they said. 253 TH. 253th birthday. <laughs> right? Isn't that how you would pronounce that? Right? 253th. Um, that's pretty cool, though. And I remember reading a long time ago one of the uh, the first stories of Mecklenburg County, how it got to be the. Was it? They, they, they put up a courthouse in Charlotte. And that was like, cause if you got, then you got to be the County seat. And so they were in this race. I want to say it was against Davidson to try to get a courthouse erected. And like Charlotte threw up like some boards. I mean, with some plywood or something, they, they, they constructed a very crude courthouse in order to, to win that race. I think that's the case. If I'm, if memory serves correctly, but uh, I digress. Alrighty. So I do not have audio of this, but apparently Kamala Harris got on the electric bus yesterday. Vice President Harris got on the electric bus yesterday while she was in Charlotte and uh, did an impression of Donald Trump when he was in the truck. Remember that? Except her impression was a little different. She made it her own, which you always want to do. You always want to make it your own. Otherwise, it's just a cover. And, like, I'll just go, you know, listen to the original itself if it's going to sound exactly like the original. So... Uh, she made it her own. She honked the horn. And then uh, with Pete Buttigieg standing next to her, she began to sing the wheels on the bus go round and round. I'm not kidding. This is from Christopher Catalago at Politico, who says, that's Kamala Harris pretending to drive an all-electric bus, then honking the horn. The wheels on the bus go round and round, Harris said, letting out a big laugh as Pete Buttigieg looks on. She also called us world class. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is that still a thing? I've been gone for like eight years, but is that still a thing where we were really, really, really wanting to be called world class? Like everything had to be world class. Charlotte was so interested in being a world class city, right? And Charlotte was like, we're like Atlanta in that way. And Atlanta's like, who are you? Where are you located? We're not even aware you're a city. I always equated it to, and this is just because I was, you know, I I was originally from Long Island. I grew up and then moved down here as soon as I could. But um, I just always equated that relationship kind of to like New York City and Boston, where Boston's always comparing itself to New York City. And New York City isn't even aware that like anything you know, like North of the Bronx exists. 
<laughs> everything. It's all just Canada up there. <laughs> and so I don't know. I just, I, and then there had, remember they had the big, um, the big launch of the, the rebranding effort, get everybody excited about Charlotte. How, because this was a, this really was, um, I don't know what you would call it. There, there was a psychological component to a lot of this where, and it's like inferiority complex, I guess, where we were comparing ourselves to Atlanta on everything. We so wanted to be a world-class city. And then like stuff would happen and people would say, oh, that, that's Charlotte, uh, Charlotte, South Carolina. And, oh, mm, that would just chap us. We'd get so mad at that. They would think we're in West Virginia. Just insulting, right? And uh, I remember... Uh, what was his name? William Garant. He was the uh, the comms guy for the city of Charlotte, the spokesman. And this was, remember, um, the plane that crashed uh, due to the wind shear. This would have been somewhere around 92, 1992, I want to say. And uh, the plane crashed at, like, right in the neighborhood, right over by the airport. And um, Garant talked about, I saw a speech he gave at the local Red Cross one year, and uh, he talked about how you know you had all these national press corps like parachuting into Charlotte, and they had no idea where they were. And so, like the first thing he did was kind of give a, a background on Charlotte. And one of the things he said was, "This is North Carolina," because <laughs> right? people didn't know. So when they did the big rebrand, I don't know how long ago that was, maybe twelve years ago now. And remember, they're like, "We want to be known." Just as Charlotte and they, that little NC that, that you know got tacked onto the back of it, it just drove them nuts all the time. And they're like, here's the big rebrand, and they unveiled the logo. They're going to have to redo all the letterhead, redo all of it, and it's Charlotte, USA. Well, Charlotte, USA, that doesn't – is there a video game being played? Charlotte, USA, that's that, – that, that doesn't tell you it's North Carolina. That doesn't tell you where you are. Like, how is that any better? I was so confused <laughs> by that brand rebranding effort. But uh, she did call us a world-class city and said a world-class city needs a world-class transit system, and we're going to help you get one. So it was kind of an insult, too. <laughs> she she kind of said we don't have a world-class transit system. We got some light rail. What have we been spending all this money on for the trains then? Oh, my goodness. And she said some other stuff like, oh, we'll have all this transit. Or Buttigieg said, we're going to have all this, all these uh, trains and stuff in the mass transit. And this means you're going to have less traffic. Which, I don't know, it's probably going to, that's going to concern Boomer Von Cannon, I'm sure. If you have less traffic, like, where's your job security here, man? <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Welcome to the program. Congressman from North Carolina, Richard Hudson. Welcome, sir. How are you? Hey, Pete. Great to be with you. Good. Um, and uh, I want to make sure I was going to I wanted to be sure before I said this. You're still in the 8th District or has that changed? Or <laughs> What's going on with well, the numbers? <laughs> well, it's going to change. They've uh, renumbered my district number 10 now. OK. So, uh, so District 10. They, they've changed me. Well, have we lost you, Congressman? Well, that's not can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you now. Congressman, uh, can you hear me? Yes, I'm wild. Sorry about that. That's all right. All right. So uh, District 10, you're currently the 8th, although I guess technically it's now the 10th, but you are running for re-election, so people will be able to uh, to vote for you if you are on their ballot, correct? Absolutely. All right. So uh, first off, um, 
The uh, vice president came to Charlotte yesterday, along with the transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg. I guess this they're taking a break from fixing the supply chain issues to celebrate the electric vehicles um, in Charlotte. So uh, first off, uh, did you get an invitation to attend? Just didn't uh, did it get did it arrive lost in the mail? What happened there? Well, Pete, we're still waiting for that invitation. Uh, but I do have a message for Vice President Harris. The wheels are coming off the bus. Oh. <laughs> if you look at the jobs report came out today, it's yeah. the worst monthly jobs report of the year. So, all right, so it, let, let's talk about that because I was going to ask you about the jobs report. Um, there, what To what is that attributable to? I've heard different economists, and this is, you know, Reagan's old joke of the one-armed economist, um, but it, it, I, I've seen different explanations for it. To what do you attribute that uh, the the less than expected job creation numbers? Well, it's, it's completely attributed to President Biden and his policies. We're paying people to stay home. Uh, the vaccine, COVID restrictions have all kept people from rejoining the workforce. You look at the regulations, uh, the Green New Deal policies that they're pushing. Um, it's it's hurting investment and it's stopping job creation. And so, uh, Vice President Harris comes in, and your mention of the the wheels on the bus. You are aware she sang that song, or she said oh, those lines. Did you know that? I, I did see that. <laughs> okay. Well, I told my producer not to play the bumper music of the wheels on the bus because I didn't want to put you in a bad spot. But apparently I should have let him I should have given him the creative leeway to do that because you uh, you were aware that this had occurred. Uh, Kind of embarrassing, uh, I think. But um, so we've got that going on uh, the 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 trip here. We've got the problem, obviously, with the uh, inflation. Um, I think the Thanksgiving cost more money than it ever had before. Right. Uh, Although I think you kept money aside from your savings at July 4th, right? The 19 cents or whatever it was, that should have totally helped you offset some of the Thanksgiving uh, price tag hit. Uh, it, it, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad, Pete. I mean, you know, the vice president's joking, singing children's song. Every single month of this president has been in office. Gas is at a high inflation is at a but what I'm really worried about is utility bills this winter are expected to go up 54%, and that's really going to hurt folks. So right now, I'm assuming the the chance to stiff arm some of the increases, to stop some of the increases, is going to be to keep the, the uh, Build Back Better uh, Act from passing. Um, but it already passed in the House, so now what? I mean, if I'm, if I'm just sitting here watching it, I guess much like you are— um, what what do we do? What can we do to prevent these cost increases from coming down the pike over the next year? Well, it's very scary. You know, if the Senate passes the bill as passed by the House, you know, it'll it'll raise the amount we borrowed and spent to seven trillion dollars. That's twenty two thousand dollars for every person listening to us today. Um, it's just an astonishing amount of money. It's going to crush the economy. Um, it, 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 we're going to see tax increases for every single American. Um, you've got amnesty provisions. Uh, the IRS is going to be spying on your bank account if you spend as much as $28 a day. I mean, this is a horrific bill. 
And right now, it's, it's really up to the U.S. Senate to stop it. Is this, explain to me, if you can, the, the politics of it. I kind of get the Republican politics of it, but the Democrat politics, um, is it, is it your sense, or do you have any information about this? Did anybody tell you uh, while you were up there that, like, hey, we know this isn't going to pass the Senate, but we got to do this because the progressive wing of the Democratic Party requires us to do something this crazy? Because, like, honestly, you look at some of the stuff there. I mean, they ran through the salt thing, too. It's like you're, you're, you're pitching, what, tax breaks for millionaires. It doesn't seem like a winning message, but... Uh, especially for Democrats, but if this is the the thing that they had to do politically for part of their base, did they feel like they had room to do so because the Senate wouldn't go along? Is that, I don't know, is that a fair read on it? Do you have any info on that? Well, the problem, Pete, is that the Democrat Party in Washington is not my grandfather's Democrat Party. I mean, these folks are true believers. They believe that the government knows the government ought to control every aspect of your life, that you aren't smart enough to decide what kind of culture, uh, how to educate your children, uh, the decisions that you make every day about what you could do about making those decisions. And they just philosophically um, believe that. And, and so by, uh, they ignore uh, American people who are crying out saying, we don't want the control. We, you know, we these prices um, want electric cars, for example, um, ignoring the people at the because they are true believers in the religion of the Green New Deal. Yeah, uh, Congressman Richard Hudson, I appreciate your time. Um, I'm sorry the the cell connection is kind of dropping out on us as well, but uh, you're welcome back anytime. I do appreciate it. He is the uh, congressman. He's from Concord, so it's now the eighth district, but now soon to be, or if it isn't already, the tenth district. Uh, thanks so much for your time, sir. Appreciate it. And uh, if we don't speak again before Christmas, Merry Christmas to you and the family. Thanks, Pete. Merry Christmas to you and all those listening. Take care, sir. Round and round, round and round, round and round. The wheels on the bus go round and round, all through the town. The people on the bus go up and down, up and down. All right. Up and down. So, who sang it better? What's that band? Who's that band? This is on bussongs.com. Bu- bus songs? There's an entire yes. CD of yes. bus songs. If you're thinking of a perfect holiday gift, you can go to bussongs.com. Bussongs.com. All right. So there's the bus songs uh, CD version. Now we'll take a listen to Vice President Kamala Harris's version. No. I, I think I like the other one better, although not... Well, no. Let me see. Hang on. You can hear her. She starts to sing it and then stops, like pulls up short on it, you know? The wheels on the bus, and then she like, whoop, go round and round, a ha, 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 and there's that laugh. That is a... That is... That laugh of hers. I'm just going to go out on a limb. She's not a good poker player. Just I'm I'm just guessing. All you got to do is keep her talking, and as soon as she, as soon as she does that laugh, right? You know that's her tell. You know she's about to lie to you, right? She knows that uh, she's all nervous about something. It's just it's this it's a nervous tick of some kind that she's got going on there. You heard it? Oh, okay. Well, here you heard it. And by the way, she's not the only politician that does this sort of thing. But during the uh, 
the appearance yesterday in Charlotte at the Cats facility, um, she makes reference to, you know, how the infrastructure bill is going to fund all of this uh, road work in the state. And I don't need to tell this group of leaders that across North Carolina, there are more than 3,000 miles of highway that need to be repaired. Highways like I-85. Look at all the people nodding. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's too much. It, it's not that funny. There's just this over laughing. And she does it as a stall tactic. I've seen many interviews with her over the years now that when you ask her a difficult question, the classic one was, I, I know how this is going to sound, Stephen Colbert. When Stephen Colbert asked her, Hey, remember before Joe Biden named you as vice president uh, on the ticket? This was when she was still a candidate, uh, but she had just been named vice presidential uh, uh, for the vice presidential uh, nod on the ticket. And um, Stephen Colbert said, hey, remember when you called Joe? uh, Yeah, you called Joe Biden basically a racist. Remember that it was in the first debate. Yeah, you called him a racist because he was a proponent of uh, busing. Or not busing. He was an opponent of the busing. And um, and then you benefited from those policies. And you called him a racist. Remember that? It was like, you know, last week. And now you've accepted his, uh, his request to be the vice presidential nominee. So what happened? And her answer was, it was a debate. She just kept laughing and kept saying it over and over and over and over again. It was a debate. And it's not an answer. It being a debate is not an answer for why you called him a racist and then took his invitation to be his vice presidential nominee. Why would you do that? Why would you be on a ticket with a racist? Unless, of course, he wasn't really a racist. Which I don't know. I've seen some of his comments over the years. Like, I can be persuaded. So... She doesn't answer the questions that are difficult. And then she gives you this laughter as uh, a way to think, to collect her thoughts. The problem is, is that she starts laughing at inappropriate things. You all know this, right? She's done this repeatedly. But the comment about the I-85, this is like a fill in the blank. This is like a mad lib kind of, you know, political speech. She shows up in town And they hand her the list, like, here's your mayor. You know, I want to give a special shout-out to Vi Lyles. And also to the greatest governor, Roy Cooper. Like, I mean, that's the way it sounds. And she just plugs in all these highways like I-85. Nobody calls I-85. Nobody nobody talks about I-85 as a highway. It's I-85, right? It's an interstate. I, I mean, maybe that's just me. I've never, I don't ever call it a highway. Unless you're talking like highway speeds, but whatever. She just plugs in I-85, and then, oh, I could see people nodding. Ah, then like the over-exuberant laughter. Like it's, it's, it's not that funny of a joke. It's just not. And if you want to laugh that hard at your own jokes, might I suggest picking up one of these? It makes it way more, uh, uh, more approachable to the audience kind of gives the signal that that was a joke in case they were unaware makes you a little bit funnier i mean that's what the that's what it does for me at least now 
Uh, I do have a couple of emails here. Let me see. Uh, to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. So Brian asked why the city rolled out the red carpet for Kamala Harris. Uh, she, the uh, descendant of the slave owners. Her family enriched themselves by the ownership of slaves. Like hundreds of them, right? Remember this story? Yeah. Um, he says, I don't understand why the... Yeah, I don't understand why the media doesn't know that Harris is high. She's not funny. She's not cute. She is stoned. (laughs) See, it makes it funnier. See what I mean? I wouldn't lie to you about this stuff. Um, So thank you, David, for the link to the uh, Wheels on the Bus video. It's terrible audio. The person shooting the video is from outside the bus. You can hear her say it. The wheels on the bus go round and round. <laughs> and then, all right, everybody, we're going to move to the other location. The the comms people shut that down very quickly. Can't have more of that. Um, What else here? Oh, Charlotte Observer story by Will Wright. As she spoke in Charlotte, behind her stood a brand new electric powered bus. The city's first in what leaders hope will be an entire electric fleet. The bus behind Harris arrived on Wednesday. John Lewis, the CEO of CAT, said Secret Service locked it down, and so he hadn't even been allowed inside of the thing. Over the next several months, CAT's plans to purchase a total of 18 buses from two companies. They'll spend the next year trying them out, seeing which company uh, has buses that are more reliable and efficient. And I thought this was interesting. They have 320 buses in the fleet. They said they're going to stagger them, uh, stagger the purchases. So there will all be a varying ages. And that's a good idea. But then he says that the electric buses are going to save money. And I guess that's because you save money on the gas costs. But if the electric buses cost more, you still got to power them with electricity. So we're going to be paying more in electrical costs, right? Our electricity bill is going to go up, wouldn't it? Or does it not? How does that work? All right, so here I thought, here I thought I had like the stupidest sound bites to play you, and, and then I just pulled up this video from The View, and I now I've got to redo like the whole second hour of my show because <laughs> this is it hurts. The stupid in this video, it hurts. I'll play it for you in a second. Well, in a, after the one o'clock news, I'll play it. Let me uh, let me finish up here with the. Vice President's visit, because yesterday when I was carrying this live, she started talking about the sandwich generation. And first I thought, that sounds delicious. But then I thought, I don't know what she's talking about. What is the sandwich generation? I have an idea about what she may be talking about. But uh, we went to commercial break, and when I uh, came back and I unpaused the video, the live feed had cut out because it was over. It was a very short speech. I should have just carried it all live, but whatever. Um, so I went back and... and Listen to it again. I know. I listened to it again. I'm a masochist. So I said, all right, I'll listen to it again, and I'll pull out this clip of the sandwich generation just to pay it off so now we all know what she's talking about. And by the way, spoiler alert, I was correct. I can't tell you the number of families and individuals I have met with. Is it zero? Around our country who are in what we call the sandwich generation. Who? All right. So first off, like, who's this we she's talking about? 
that we call the sandwich generation. Who's this we? I've never heard of this term before. I've heard of latchkey kids. I've heard of, you know, the millennial generation, the the Gen Zs, Gen X, baby boomers, tweeners even, cuspers. But I've never heard of the sandwich generation. Individuals who are raising their young children while they are also giving care to their elder relatives. So basically people. <laughs> this like do you realize like this was the norm for let me see here. One, two, three, like all of human history. <laughs> this is this the sandwich generation. Like history did not begin with you. Okay. Human beings have been helping to, you know, raise the next generation, caring for the previous generation. The cycle continues. This has been the norm throughout world history. It's called the extended family. Only in America and only recently has this concept. Well, I shouldn't say only in America because maybe also in Western civilizations, right? Has it become the norm that you don't live and help to take care of extended members of your family? Like this, It actually betrays like a level of selfishness. Right to me, it, it 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 expresses a level of selfishness, but also it really does offer some insight into the left wing mindset, which is the statist mindset, which is I'm going to get government to do these things because I'm I don't want to do them myself. That's what it sounds like, right? We'll take a listen to the rest of it here. The sandwich generation, and what that means in terms of how they must divide up the responsibilities of their day, requiring two different sets of skills probably with the exception of food preparation, two sets of skills that are required what? to balance those obligations. I mean, wait, two different sets of skills to take care of a baby and an aging parent. Like as if these things are so like insurmountable, however will they acquire these skills? I'm, I'm not minimizing this at all. I went over this yesterday. Like my mom took care of, Grandma, who lived upstairs in our household, and Grandpa, who lived across the street, was Dad's dad and Mom's mom. When Growing up, that was what we experienced as kids. And, you know, Mom had to balance these skills, except, well, that's fine. She says, well, aside from the food prep. It's amazing how she, like, carves that one out. Well, I guess they're the same. Are they really, though? Are they really the same set of skills? Like, if you've got an infant... And then you've got like a 65-year-old parent. Like, they're, they're probably not eating the same food, you know? Like, there's just... The things that she thinks are profound, to me, are quite strikingly not. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I'm reminded of George W. Bush used to do this sort of thing all the time. He would say things like, well, back in Texas, we have a, we have a saying. You know, a rolling stone gathers no moss. Yeah, we have that expression here, too. Basically everywhere. It's kind of universal. Everybody has that expression. But he would say these things as if you had never heard them before. That's what Harris does. She's ex- she's telling me about this sandwich generation. Now, let me break it all down for you because you may not have ever heard this. It's this new thing where a person has a younger person in their family and an older person in their family at the same time. They're being smushed like a sandwich. 
Yeah, or the extended family. That's what we've we've always called it. It's been the norm throughout all of human history. But otherwise, solid dunk, Veep. Solid dunk.